0: Welcome to Code is an episode by episode recap of classic Grey's Anatomy. I'm Teresa Rosado and I'm joined by Patrice Anthony and Megan Totsky. We're going to be talking about season two, episode 25 ish, 17 seconds, which is a cure song. I love the cure. Yeah, I didn't realize it
1: was a cure yeah, song. It was a-
0: The barn burner of an episode. It's really good. I mean, like, terrible. but yeah, <laughs> good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, things are, like, really building. Like, I feel like we have, you know, things were a little bit uh, borderline boring a few episodes ago, and the roller coaster is, like, getting to the precipice, right? Um, and I think that we sort of, I actually think there's a moment when... When things turn, for for me at least, happens in this episode. Um, And for, you know, it's sort of like suddenly it becomes sort of about Denny and about the Elvad and getting the heart. And suddenly I feel like we hit the top of the roller coaster. And the next, this episode to a certain extent, and the next two episodes are like the descent. and I'm super excited about it. Like, I actually think yeah. last week's episode is a little bit better and more interesting. I know I wasn't here for last week, um, for the podcast, but I think that um, I feel really excited that we're finally, after all of this anticipation building, getting to like what season two is really all about. So the I felt like stuff. really excited yeah. about this episode. Yeah, like the good stuff, like the tragedy and the drama. Right.
2: <laughs> People the gonna real, die. the real Grey's Anatomy yeah. that we know and love. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yes. we're also
0: about yeah. to. Uh, I think the next episode introduces the first time that I ever laid eyes on Tessa Thompson. She plays the chief. Yes, granddaughter, niece, something, uh, niece, niece I, niece. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my God, sweet yeah. dear yeah. Oh Tessa Thompson, be still my heart. Been obsessed with her since that episode. Uh, anyway, yes. Um. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get into it. We've got a lot to talk about, and uh, I, you know, I wrote four pages of notes. So. Let's do it. Yeah, fucking
1: so rock. Teresa's gonna gonna walk us through our our cases of the week. Um, I'm gonna give her 30 seconds on the clock here. Teresa, do you feel ready? Yep. Let's do the round. All right, we're doing the rounds. Ready? Three, two, one, go.
0: All right. So this episode came out May 14th, 2006, written by Mark Wilding and directed by Dan Minahan. There is a shooting at the hospital and we have multiple gunshot victims, including the manager who was the target of the shooter. Um, we've also got Denny, who is closer to death than ever before, and Izzy decides to take drastic measures in order to get him a heart transplant. And we've also got Doc, the dog, who is diagnosed with bone cancer and probably isn't going to make it. Not looking good for him or Denny.
1: Stop. (laughs) That was pretty comprehensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah important connection Some to Doug and shot Denny, Denny that I appreciated at the end. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> They're both likely not going to make it. <laughs> These are Denny the same. And the but dog. I'm only rooting
0: for one of them to live.
2: <laughs> and it's not Denny. Mm-mm,
0: it's not the human. It's not Denny. It's not Denny.
2: As Meredith said, the human died?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The human died? So this uh, this accurate. episode opens with the uh, the seven deadly sins monologue. Um, and a really, to me, unnecessarily aggressive opening scene in the bar where, like, the men, Burke and and Derek, are playing darts, but in between throwing darts really hard at a dartboard, they're shooting daggers across the bar at Christina Yang and Meredith Grey. Death
2: glares. And
0: it's like... Really uncomfortable.
2: So uncomfortable.
0: I felt unsafe on my couch.
2: Usually I feel comforted by the sounds of Karen O's voice, which is playing behind this scene. Yeah. And that did nothing for me. No. Because it was deeply uncomfortable how angry they were. Yeah. And
1: they name it. Like, it wasn't like a, oh, should we read into this? Like, Izzy is like, no, 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 he's picturing your face. And then Christina's like, no, he's picturing your face. And they all are like, ha, ha, ha these men hate us, (laughs) like you know? And like, I also think it's very strange and this happens not, not infrequently in this show where somebody and their partner are both at a location separately and like appears to be just like a coincidence of like, Oh, Burke and Christina happened to go to Joe's at the same time. You know, like it's kind of this like weird, awkward dynamic to me. And he's like, having sort of a public fight with her. I don't know. Like the whole intro scene to me sits like very unwell before any of the conversation starts about Burke being an asshole or Alex being an asshole or any of those women being an asshole. Like the whole thing just really does not sit well with me at all right out of the gate.
0: Yeah. It's, I think it's a, it's an incredibly awkward beginning to the episode. And if we're meant to be rooting for any of these characters, the male characters or any of these relationships that is not being communicated.
2: <laughs> no, not at all. And no. all of the all of the women in the scene are just sort of like brushing off the male anger as they should because they're all angry for no fucking reason.
0: Yeah. Yeah, as we all we all kind of came to the same realization in our notes that we're supposed to assume that Burke is still mad. Because Christina fell asleep during sex.
1: <laughs> yep. Dying fire. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's what she, that's what he's
1: still pissed about. Evidently. And like publicly, publicly so, right? Like he's not harboring like personal deep down insecurities about his own sexuality. Not saying that that would be okay, but he is harboring like very public and making decisions, professional decisions based on the fact that his partner who happens to be a female identifying person orgasmed and he did not. And I just like take such issue with it. This is like a two episode arc. Like, it's a two-episode arc, and I just, like, I feel so frustrated by it. Right, and just, when like, it should immediately... have been a
2: one-second arc.
1: <laughs> yeah, of, like, hey, yeah. by the way, I fell asleep during sex, and her being like, well, sorry, sometimes that happens, and him being like, you're right, everything's fine. You know, like, it just is, like, I don't know. I, I, to me, it's just one more example of of moments in this show that just do not age well. Yeah.
2: Not at all. Absolutely. And I feel like we can just jump directly into, like, Burke's anger is not um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just not justifiable. And then he's letting that um, impede his work as a doctor. And so I'm, I'm thinking about the scene where Christina asked to go and harvest the heart with him. And instead of being a professional, he lets his personal life uh, get in the way of a teaching moment, which reminder this is a teaching hospital christina is a resident at this hospital she's there to learn uh above being his girlfriend yeah and he decides that he's too angry about this dumb thing that happened to continue to be her teacher and
0: yeah yeah, it's terrible. I mean, she just keeps kind of getting dicked over by her attendings. You know, first Bailey is treating her as, like, drop-off childcare, and now we've got this bullshit with Burke. And it's like, yeah, she, she's not there just to fuck you, buddy. Like, she's there to get a medical education. <laughs> and you're yeah. actively choosing to limit her opportunities in this program because you're mad at her. Yeah. I, like, that's crazy to me and i really think that christina should consider transferring to a different medical residency like that's something that Uh, she should look into
1: a (laughs) hundred percent and i think that there's like there's no story building to be done for us to believe that it's for any other reason and i think that that's like a real i think that's such a a mistake right because i think that like they, they they so easily could have built in a reason for Burke to not choose Christina but they wanted to really hammer home that Burke is so goddamn fragile that he makes professional des- decisions based on his personal relationship with an intern or a resident or like they're still interns at this point right like yeah. it is just yeah. i don't know it's like it's like deeply frustrating um and honestly like we're going to get into how like the the Burke Khan Karev, you know, like actually the you know the um the retrieval of the the donor heart, um later on I I suppose, but um I think that actually this jumps pretty quickly into the, like Meredith Derek Addison dog storyline yeah. like after the intro, um. Which has like some implications overall, but this is they are a little bit more standalones than some of the others, and I think that we all also really agreed at how sort of heartbreaking this triangle has become. Like it's been a long, again, like it's part of the anticipation that there's like it's a long time coming of Meredith and Derek and Addison and like their you know supposed friendship, which is not an actual friendship. Um, <laughs> but it's it's like it's like really awful to to watch right like you guys sort of noted this yes. too in your notes
0: yeah it's it's really straight i feel so bad for addison every episode Ugh. i feel like there's something new to feel bad for addison about like fuck man can this woman not catch a fucking break <laughs> she's
2: trying so hard oh. to to be just like even keeled and civil and like respect Mirror and Dare's quote-unquote friendship, and we're all
0: friends, right? Right,
2: (laughs) right. You guys aren't upset with each other because you're still in love, and I'm a dummy. That's like basically what she's saying.
0: Yep. Spoilers. That's what's happening. Sorry, Addison. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Yeah. So they, so, so Meredith and Derek find out, and Addison too. (laughs) As the camera pans to eventually reveal her as well, but they find out that Doc has bone cancer. And McVett is playing off the bone cancer as um, maybe not that serious. Like, it's it's gonna be okay. Derek is like, we should just um, put the dog down and put him out of his misery. And Meredith's like, no. How could you? How could you even think of doing that? And of course, the dog is a their metaphor. Love.
2: <laughs> a metaphor for their love.
0: <laughs> um, and you know, afterwards it. Addison notes that the interaction between Meredith and Derek, you know, she says to Meredith, it seemed like you guys were having a lover's quarrel. Right.
2: Well, first she says, are you having sex with my husband?
0: Yep. yep. Right. <laughs> and Meredith, you know, clarifies not since I found out he had a wife, you know, and, and of course Derek has, has just found out that Meredith is dating the vet. Um, and so in over the course of Meredith, you know, trying to convince Addison, like, no, I'm I'm moving on. I'm I'm with Finn now. Um, Addison puts it together in the moment that she puts it together, that Derek is behaving this way because Meredith is seeing someone else. <sighs> so sad.
1: I mean, so it's sad. Just heartbreaking. Kate Walsh
0: plays it
2: perfectly.
1: She plays it so, so well. And and I think that, like, there's actually, you know, like, Meredith's genuine... She's trying to convey to Addison of, like, no, I'm trying to move on, as you said, right? Like, I'm trying to move on. I'm with the vet, as if that's going to help things. And it just escalates it for Addison the moment that she realizes that her husband is, like, truly not over this woman. And it is just tough, like... Addison, these last, you know, four or five episodes has just so... Kate Walsh has just played her character so well. And that, like, effort and, and you know, steadfastness in the marriage is, is just... It's so hard to watch. And it's, I just think it's so well done.
0: Yeah. I have a question for you guys. The scene... Yeah. So, as we get further into the episode, Addison rips Derek a new one. I mean, really dresses him down about... The way he's behaving, like he's behaving like such a fucking dick. And she's like, I need something from you, right? And the camera pans out to reveal that Addison decided to dress Derek down in in front front of of the whole hospital, the entire hospital, right? That she was on one of those bridges and it was open below. Meredith's down there. I think Yang's down there. The (laughs) chief is down there. You know, all looking up sort of horrified or bemused. And Mm -hmm. I know that we're definitely supposed to feel that that scene is unbelievably embarrassing. And to some degree, I did have a lot of secondhand embarrassment for Addison. Like, oh my God, what a tragic figure. But on the other hand, I was like, that's embarrassing for fucking Derek. Like, Derek should be embarrassed. And I'm kind of annoyed that he's not in the slightest bit ashamed. Like, he gives Addison this scathing look. You know, like, now look what you've gone and done mm-hmm. by showing our business to the entire hospital. And I'm like, no, bro, you're an asshole and everyone now knows exactly what an asshole you are. I mean, everyone knew it already. Uh, yeah, but shit, she had bullet points. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think it Wait, like that plays it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I
0: swear to God, there shit. was a question in there somewhere. <laughs>
1: no I I think you're right I think there is a question in there of like why is Derek so infallible in this show right like even thinking back to a few episodes ago when he sees or maybe yeah a couple episodes ago when he sees Meredith in um, Finn's apartment wearing his shirt and he like rips home and like goes home and is like we're finally gonna have great sex Addison because I saw this thing and it's like I don't know like all of the all of his actions over the last few episodes are like deeply embarrassing whether they're public or private right that's a private (laughs) moment that I felt like deeply embarrassed that Derek like had that information and was acting on it like I have felt a lot of secondhand embarrassment for like the ruse of this friendship that he and Meredith have um and I think that this one is like super public and still somehow this asshole has zero accountability for his shitty decisions Right, like the worst thing that he's had to deal with is like losing his girlfriend who was actually his mistress while he was married. And, like, even yep. still, he has not had to truly deal with any consequences. So why should we, as an audience member, feel embarrassment for this character who can clearly walk on water and and do absolutely, like, he can do, he can truly do no wrong in this show. And I think it's really problematic. Like, I think it's a really, really, he's, like, at the end of the day, Derek is a deeply problematic character that we are all so enchanted with. Um because he's so enchanting, right? like he's so charming that it's yeah. easy, especially you know fifteen odd years ago, it was easy to sort of write that off um and now it's just like the 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 hindsight is so crystal clear to me when I watch these episodes,
2: yeah, I don't necessarily think that we're supposed to identify with Derek and think that he's in the right. I think we're supposed to see that the writers are um. I mean writing his character really appropriately he thinks that he is righteously angry about these things and we can see the cracks in that like we know that he's not owning up to any of his responsibilities in these things um but you can see the sort of like mental math and the the hoops that he's jumping through in his own mind to make himself right in this like it's not me that's wrong. It's Meredith that's that's the slut. It's not me that's wrong. It's Addison who's being embarrassing in this moment because she should know that, you know, we're on this ledge. And I, t- I told her that now's not the time. Mm-hmm. It's not me that's in the wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that is often how the writers portray his character is he's like, no, it's not me. It's obviously these other people because I am not, you know, publicly making mistakes.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, he's. Uh, he's yeah, it's totally exhausting at this point. It is deeply problematic, and it's just like I, I would love to see him have to answer for any of the choices that he's made, and I just I know that that reckoning isn't coming for actually a pretty long time, um, yeah. and it sucks. It really, it really sucks to watch Addison be the one who is reprimanded by the chief after that you know i mean obviously she was the one yelling in the hospital and sure that's that's unprofessional i guess according to what standards like relative to what at seattle grace (laughs) but it's incredibly frustrating to watch her get reprimanded by the chief um when you know there seems to be a central theme as to who is uh causing all of these meltdowns (laughs) it's Derek. it's Derek. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that's so, spot
0: on. So, you know, the doc the doc storyline kind of wraps up um with you know, we get some intersection between the doc storyline and Callie and Meredith who mm-hmm. finally find some uh, way to coexist. Um, that involves as...
2: Callie being nice and yeah, Meredith still being terrible.
0: Yeah, that involves, yep. as Patrice said, um, a woman of color being the bigger person, as it yeah. so often does. Yeah. So, yeah, so Meredith at one point um, asks Callie, because she's on Callie's service, you know, do you know anything about... Can you tell me about bone cancer and Callie?
2: Osteosarcoma. Yeah,
0: osteosarcomas. And again, Callie's like you know, she's an attending. So she's like, sure. Like, what do you want to know? I'm kind of busy with this major trauma event. For humans. Who have been involved in a mass shooting, 14 injured, two dead. But sure. Like, let's talk about, let's talk about that. (laughs) And then Meredith's like, yeah, bone cancer in a dog. (laughs) And Callie really loses it. Callie's like, how dare you? Are you joking? Right now, you just asked me about bone cancer in a fucking dog when we have human patients here, who have been shot.
2: Yep, yep. I, I do feel
0: like Callie was the one who was wrong in this situation.
2: In the show. in in the situation where she has to be the bigger person. Yes, I do feel like, and I can't tell if it's like Sarah Ramirez is like overacting the situation, but like. I know that she's still angry from the previous episode where they were all dicks to her, (laughs) but she seems just, like, so angry about it. Like, I feel like Callie as a person, even though she'd be like, you're being ridiculous, would maybe have, like, some sympathy, like... (laughs) Your dog is dying. I understand that's on your mind, but it plays just like so one note that she's like, are you fucking kidding me? When what she really wants to say is like, you're a dumb white bitch (laughs) because she's angry that they were so mean to her in the previous episode. It's not really about Doc at all. Just like nothing is about Doc at all. No, it's about
0: microaggressions.
1: (laughs) It's about Izzy being a racist. Yes. That is accurate. Yeah, I think that, Patrice, you had in your notes about um, – because it resonates with me, too, of, like, this idea of sort of um, a a chosen family, right? Like, so where it ends is Callie, of course, you know, shows her a human osteosarcoma, you know, X-ray or whatever. Um, And I think that this idea of a chosen family, I – you said it really well in that, like, maybe that – and that's – I'm reflecting now that, like, or I reflected when I was reading your notes that like, I think that that's maybe also where I got this idea of a chosen family, which has been really, really important to me. And this could be the source of it. I don't know. Um, but I think that it's an interesting point because it's so, it, it comes across so clearly in this show where clearly none of, none of these people have families, right? Like we see so little of any <laughs> of their actual families that I think it, it, it really goes a long way, particularly with our generation, And with these characters in the show who apparently don't have mothers who want to go to weddings or parents who might Mm -hmm. want to be involved or siblings or anything to that effect. (laughs) Um, So really defining early on in the show that chosen family is an important part of who these characters are, maybe just as a way to like, you know, justify the relationships that they have. Um, But it really resonates with me, right, when she says, you know, when George sort of has to explain to Callie, like, I know you don't like her, but she's part of my family, and sometimes you have to be, you know, be okay with white assholes who are part of your family. Um, (laughs) Doesn't, doesn't, like, make it okay, but I think that it's a, um, I think that it's, like, a really important moment for this show um, in terms of the relationships between the characters that really sort of take on that family role.
2: Yeah, Yeah, we are all Callie Torres dealing with terrible family members of our partners who we don't like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. And, like, how many times have we had to swallow the, like, bitter part of our, our, like, friends dating assholes who we don't like or our, you know, partner's family who we don't like or whatever it might be. Um, But I think it's kind of like – I think that you see Callie, like, reach across with an olive branch that – I completely agree that maybe she should not have to reach across with at all. But it's that moment where you realize that a friend of yours um, is dating someone who you don't like or, or you don't think is the best fit for them or whatever. And you sort of have to say, like, well that's, that's the reality. Like, this is the reality that I'm sort of have to live with. And so I'm going to show her the x-rays of the human with the osteosarcoma and explain that they died. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. I think that it's like a, I think it's like a, it's like a really, it's such a weird situation that does feel like oddly relatable when you right-size it for your own life.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's interesting that you both um caught the chosen family part as Like, oh, I wonder if I got that from this show. Um, And it's so interesting because I'm sure that I probably got chosen family from this show as well. But it's it's kind of interesting to me because I always associate chosen family with um, queer community. And I associate, like, the idea of the chosen family as a specifically queer concept. Yeah. Because so many people who are queer um, have had to... Uh, reimagine their families. Yeah, reimagine yeah. their families, reconstruct families because their own families have disowned them, kicked them out of their homes, etc. And so, it's it was just like interesting to kind of think like, oh, I wonder if I got this this language from this show. But now, let's see. This was in two thousand six. Thirteen years on, I see this as deeply, almost inextricably tied to queerness. Like it's something it's something that we even talk about in like the queer student group that I'm a part of at my college Mm -hmm. is like you this is your chance you get to choose Mm -hmm. who you want to include in your family and you don't need to continue to um, retrace and reenact the toxic relationships that you grew up with like that's that's what you get to do as a queer adult you get to you get to choose this for yourself. Um, right. So anyway, I just found that really interesting. I was like, oh, huh, huh. which came first? I don't know. Hard yeah. to say. Hard to say. Yeah. But they dovetailed just beautifully. Ugh. Yeah. So so you know, Callie explains that the dog's probably gonna die. <laughs> yeah.
2: The human <laughs> because died. The human
0: died. Um, and it is it is genuinely a nice moment between Meredith and Callie at the end. You know, where Meredith says in her gloriously you know um, undiluted Meredith self, "Thank you, Callie." You know, while she's looking at the scans really intently. And Callie says, you're welcome, Meredith. It's definitely like a a
2: turning of a corner.
0: It's a lot the fuck better than Izzy and Callie because.
2: I just want to make vomiting sounds. Yeah, I I don't know what I was going to say, but uh, I'm just (laughs) thinking about. (laughs) I'm thinking about guns. That's what I'm thinking about, because that's what this show is about.
0: Yeah, yeah. Should we go there next?
2: I mean, yeah, I feel like we've covered all of the. That like, sounded
0: like a perfectly imperfect it was segue. So
2: good, the segue, so great. I don't know what no, it is. Yeah. Guns.
1: <laughs> I think I think we should talk. So my um, I think we should talk about the victims of the shooting. Um, I do want to leave us plenty of time to talk about Burke, Han, Denny, Izzy. Um, yes, and I I think that it's like not really lo- I, I don't really want to talk about Denny that much, but. You know, it's getting there. <laughs> but we got them. <laughs> um, I, I think that the 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 victims of the shooting in this episode are like remarkably irrelevant.
2: You yes. know, like
1: I think that like they're not like this show and this happens in, in Grey's Anatomy, sort of as we know, right? That like the the sometimes it's super hyper focused on the patients for the patients' sake, sometimes as a metaphor for the doctors. Um, and sometimes the the patients sort of cease to be relevant. And if you watch the current episodes, or excuse me, the current season of Grey's Anatomy, you know that like the, the patients are not really the focal point, right? Like it's very much only about the doctors, which I think is a real loss. And I think that this episode is sort of is sort of similar to that. That we have Deborah and Neil, the you know Deborah who Neil who ducked behind Deborah in the shooting. To save his own life, and she's very upset about that. We have Kendra Thomas totally a... reasonably right, exactly. Totally it's a scary situation,
2: yeah. it's a
1: very scary situation. I would duck behind both like, of you.
0: bitches What do you want me to do? Stand in front of you? I'm not dying for anybody white. No offense, <laughs> no, none taken <laughs> as a white person.
2: I'm just not taking a bullet for anyone, white,
1: black. I'd at least
2: think about that for <laughs> Patrice. Just you be would, because yeah, I wouldn't think about due it due to the
0: marginalization of your community. But no, I am not going to step in front of it for a white person. Absolutely not. I'm taking a bullet for no one. <laughs>
1: I didn't say well, I do and it. Here's it just my said I'd issue pause. with it: <laughs> is that like I don't also don't really think it's a choice. You know what I mean? Like I have never mm-hmm. been in a shooting situation. Thank you. You made that point. Yes, but, in your notes. Yes. What's that? Oh,
0: I just was appreciating that you made this point in your notes and I think it is such a good one. Please continue.
1: <laughs> oh, like I I just I truly think that this is not a choice that you make. Somebody walks into your place of work and they sh- they they're shooting up where you are working. And it's somebody that they know, right? So it is a human being that they previously worked with who has walked into this restaurant and and has pulled a gun on the entire staff, okay? I work at a school. We take school shootings. We take any sort of shooting super seriously. We had a lockdown drill yesterday. You know, Fuck. like, I truly do not think that anybody is acting in a, in a reasonable, choice-driven way. Like, you have a lizard brain that's telling you flight, fight, or freeze. And, like, those are your options. And I think that it's so unreasonable mm-hmm. that this woman is, like, ready to call off their wedding and call off their relationship because he ducked. Pres- like a, yeah, okay. like it sounds like behind her, but it like I just think that that's so irrelevant, and it's clearly to me is just a patient who is there to serve as a platter for the doctor's you know issue yeah. du jour for you know? yeah
0: for Yang being like dump him you know whereas like meanwhile Patrice in her notes was like bitch why didn't you duck
2: like, right? <laughs> don't you have any
0: survival yes. instincts <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: Why are we faulting this man for being quick on his fucking feet? Right. Unlike Brad. Brad, who's talking about how he's quick on his feet. That guy can die. Yeah,
0: yeah. And he did at the end of the episode. He did.
2: Anyway, please continue
1: telling us about the shooting victims. So sorry. Okay, so I... Oh, no, 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 no. no. Please. I I think that this is, like, sort of a quick pass through some of these (laughs) assholes. This is maybe So, Deborah and Neil... Yeah, like, I think that, like, clearly Christina just needs to, like... Project all of her problems onto this particular couple, right? Like any any last words about Deborah or Neil? No, uh, not okay, really. Right, Except just... for that, Christina
2: should take her own advice and
1: dump Burke.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I do have
0: one final thought on Deborah and Neil. Neil's gay. I don't know how Deborah <laughs> doesn't know
2: that.
1: Oh. <laughs> Neil gay? He's absolutely gay. He's what? Gay. Uh, anyway, I don't know. That I don't know Neil accurate.
2: well enough, but he's Sure, sure.
0: Why not? I was like, okay, Deborah and
1: Neil. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> sure, Jan. Sure. <laughs> he's just trying to get out of the relationship and he thought maybe ducking behind her would help (laughs) (laughs) Um, next up we have Kendra another extremely like when I look at this episode in a vacuum this is a weird episode in terms of patience so Mm -hmm. then we have Kendra who's really like beloved by the office everybody kind of really likes her she's like not beloved by her parents though no no So apparently nobody knows she's pregnant. She gets shot. She's dying. And her parents come to the hospital, are weirdly unsad about her death. (laughs) Yep. The worst actors. Totally fine about it. Oh my gosh. They are awful. They are really awful. I do not care at all about Kendra. They're trying to make me care about her and I am resisting how much I care about her. And then ultimately, they want to keep her alive as an incubator for her fetus. For and six I don't know months, six months, right? She wasn't even pregnant enough to tell people that she was pregnant. And one of you made the point of like, I was just waiting to hear that she was carrying her parents' baby, and I was <laughs> right. Like, like, is she <laughs> a yes. surrogate for them? They're yes. so yes. preoccupied with their baby.
0: I genuinely thought that that I was like, "Oh, isn't this that reveal where actually she's carrying her parents' baby and it's like really fucked up?" No. No, listener, nope, that's nope. not the reveal. They're just
2: bad actors. It's just
0: fucked up in its own way. Just yeah. just really yeah. really messed up parents. <laughs>
1: I know. And then I like once again feel bad for Addison because like Derek tries to get her to talk to them and then he gives her like no framing about it and then is pissed when he doesn't, she doesn't deliver the message to the parents. So Derek has sort of tried to tell the parents, you know, this isn't a good idea. And then he brings in the neonatal specialist, Addison, his wife, gives her no framing and she doesn't deliver it in the way that he wants to. And then he, like, lays into her about it. And then I just want to, like, slit Derek's throat and, like, put Kendra out of yeah. her misery. Because this whole thing is so yeah. fucked up that, like, I just, like, I'm just, like, so over it at this point in the episode, personally. Yeah. There's a, there's
0: a theme in this episode of things and people that need to be put out of their misery.
1: <laughs> Doc.
0: Truly. Denny. All of Kendra, the men. The, the, all, all of the men, relationships
2: really. that were all of the men yeah put them in a trash can yeah. light it on fire
1: <laughs> and then the last um we lost there is another character who i didn't write about at all that like sad meek boy who's upset about kendra yeah i didn't write yeah. that oh at all. but then well, we have the manager yeah, he was unimportant who, yeah yeah he wasn't he wasn't important um then we have the manager whose name one of you mentioned is brad and i think that what's funny about that is that i didn't get his name like, I didn't catch it because he's such a royal asshole, but if you had to ask me to give him a name, I would give him the name Brad, because that's what you give asshole managers. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Do you know what I mean? He's it's totally like Brad. a It's like such yeah, a, he's totally a Brad. Brad. Very on brand. And he's awful. He's definitely the manager a definite that everyone Brad. hates. Also,
0: that actor has aged really poorly. Ooh. Yeah. Really? Just look him up later. Yeah, he's aged really badly. I'm like, oh my God, that he was like, he was like okay looking back in the day. Mm. Anyway. I had way more sympathy for the manager than you did. You two were like, fuck him, he should die. And I was like, no one should be shot in their place of work. I mean, he's
2: fucking terrible. (laughs) Literally the entire time that people who have actually been shot are rolling by him because he didn't even get shot and the shooter was looking for him. He's just like, you guys should have been faster when that shooter came in looking to kill me. I'm glad I've got insurance. You can't take any time off. I'm a fucking dickhead. He like... (laughs) Why would you feel any sympathy? I don't for him? feel sympathy for him, but I'm just like,
0: I like no one should be shot at their place of work. So I'm just like, at the end of the day, this man was the victim of a Valid. horrible tragedy and he was party to something really fucking traumatic, And I just like, can't, I understand that I'm taking him too seriously, but this is this is actually, if I can like go on a slight tangent for a sex for a second, this was the one really unsuccessful storyline for me in this episode. Because while it has a very satisfying conclusion with the cliffhanger and Burke, which we'll get to, the way in which this episode approaches a shooting mm-hmm. is so lighthearted and it is wild to me to even watch it in 2019. Yeah. like I, I I know about myself that I am a lot more sensitive to depictions of gun violence than I've ever been in my life. And so watching the episode, take a pretty glib tone with the shooting was hard. And I couldn't, I couldn't kind of like laugh at the Brad stuff and I couldn't, I just was like, this sucks. It sucks actually to have to watch this part of the episode. And I wish that I could just kind of fast forward it through it. Um, And I think it's such an interesting contrast. This episode with The season six finale, which Mm. involves a shooting at the hospital at Seattle Grace and how drastically things had changed even inside of four years. That like even four years after this episode in 2010, you couldn't have a shooting episode take such a light tone. Right. I, you know, I don't it know. It doesn't
2: age well. But I
0: also think that there's, like, a me – there's, like, a me – I don't know. I feel like there was, like, a me before Sandy Hook and, like, a me after Sandy Hook. And I can't remember even at this point what year Sandy Hook happened. Um, But, like, I'm wondering what – was it 2013? I'm wondering what in the show happened between 2006 and 2010 in terms of shootings that might have really motivated a shift in tone for that episode. Anyway, just like, I, so so not to be like a horrible buzzkill, but I really, really struggled with the storyline and struggled with the tone. And just kind of was like, yeah, you know, this is just one of those things that doesn't hold up. And, and like, that's okay. That's, I mean, that's not the fault of anyone involved with the show. Like, that's just... You know, it was a long time ago. It was 13 years ago. It's really, really different now.
2: Right. And I I don't know if there were any major shootings between that time, but I think it's just the uptick in gun violence in general mm. over the course of the years. And I think even the way that they address it, like when the victims come in, someone says like, oh, a guy went postal. Like, that's yeah. not something that would ever be said. And that I feel like that sort of language was used very commonly back then for... Mm-hmm gun violence, because it felt few and far between. It was always, like, someone who was disgruntled, uh, someone who had just, like, lost it that one time. It was never the conversations that we have now, um, which are still flawed in and of themselves, about mental illness, about access to guns or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It was just, like, this is just one person who just, like, went off.
0: Well, yeah, and I think the conversation was so different in 2006 because we weren't so limited in by like places that we perceive as safe like i genuinely only think of my home as a safe space genuine like i i and i understand that i have social anxiety right sure so i am in i have an irrational thought process but there's not a single public space that i could identify right now that is that is safe to me i'm always looking for an exit i'm always prepared for the possibility that someone has a gun like Aurora was really hard because I love going to movie theaters, you know, like I just I feel like I can check off locations in the last 13 years that Mm -hmm. I that I used to think were safe and I don't think are safe anymore. And so it's Mm -hmm. like so it's just it's hard because this episode was of a totally different era when you didn't necessarily have a mental checklist in your brain of like where shootings have taken place.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that I'm I'm actually looking forward to us. Well, looking forward is probably the, the the wrong word, but but debriefing in 2019, the shooting episode at a hospital because that's such a strong theme in that episode of like and not to diverge too strongly from where we are now but like such a huge theme in that particular episode and something that i think makes it so powerful and 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 well done at least when i think about it now is this like idea that it's breaking down like one of the last safe places that we can hold dear right in yeah you know 2000 2000- 10 or 12 or whenever that season was um, that like a, a shooting can take place in a hospital. Right. And I think yeah. that that's really, it's, it's not a breaking of the third wall, but it's a recognition of like of the show in response to like nowhere is safe anymore. Right. The place that you would go to yeah. when you have been hurt by all the other unsafe places is now also unsafe. And I yeah. think that this episode, like, I think you're, you're hitting it on the nose, Teresa, that like, this is like, this, they're treating this as if it was a car accident or as if it were you know, uh, Mm. you know, somebody Mm -hmm. falling off a roof, right? Like they're treating a shooting as if it is any other run of the mill episode. And I think it also really doesn't sit well because exactly what we were talking about before in this episode that like the patients are irrelevant, right? The shooting is irrelevant. They make it glib. As you said, it's, they have sort of this flip response to it and, and it could have been a shooting. It could have been anything, Um, and, and I think that that is a really, really, really bitter pill for us as viewers to swallow in 2019. And I think the fact that they try to make it about a shitty manager as opposed to about a shooting is equally like that we're focused on like, wow, Brad's a real asshole. What a shitty manager. Think of all the shitty managers Mm -hmm. you've ever had Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, man, this guy died in his workplace is like exactly diagnosing the issue with this, with this storyline. And I think that that's like a, you know, that's, that's like a really, really awful thing. And I, and I appreciate it. Like I know, I, I, I know it's a tangent to go off on in this episode that has a lot of other things going on, but I think it's an important one for exactly that reason. And it does have, you know, like we said, it does have a really satisfying sort of uh,
0: turn in this episode. Uh, but I do think that we should talk a little bit about Denny because his storyline patrice is making a great face but his storyline um comes into focus where this storyline is gonna go comes into focus with the the conclusion of the shooting um storyline so um yeah we've got yeah oh you look like you were about to say something
1: i was well here's my so yes i I thought you were gonna be like
0: i gotta pee or
2: i need (laughs) another drink
1: i was like ready both of those are probably true before we talk about denny okay you should go now (laughs) but but i gotta ask you guys did you remember in this episode that burke gets shot at the end no yes i didn't yes you did Teresa. so for the record yes when patrice and i both did not remember and i like I have to say that we're we're going to get into it here, but I think that um, I love when I forget shit on this show. I yes. fucking love it. Like, I love it. because Especially the really it's dramatic that, shit. Yeah, and it's, like, really important, and I get so wrapped up in how much I hate Denny and how excited I am for him to, like, get to this, like, amazing finale that I sometimes, it, like, eclipses all of these other things for me. And I loved seeing burke laying there in his like bloody it's, mess of like yes it's, it's horrible unbelievable reveal yeah but Ugh. i i i like i feel like i'm like reading the harry potter books for the first time all over again <laughs> when i see those moments you know it's like i i feel like i'm yes, living this for so the first true. time in the way that you want to feel when you have a beloved show or book or character and yeah. it was like a great like it's awful like i i feel awful saying that but like it is a moment as like a viewer of fiction of like wow like that's right shit's about to get so much more yep. complicated than i fully fully yes. remember um and i and i like really personally really appreciated that um and i think that it's like it's tough because it's also like it's it's balanced not balanced but it's like weighed down by this like really awful tenor that it takes with the shooting and with brad dying and it's like and i think we all kind of know that like brad's an asshole but like you don't want your worst manager to die right to Teresa's point earlier of like right. nobody deserves to get shot up in their workplace and nobody nobody deserves to die just like just because of his like asinine behavior you know like that's 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 an yeah. imbalanced anyway so i did forget about it so i'm curious to hear your guys's experience with with the denny case here I did remember that the shooting happened and I will say
0: that the reason was because I was so in my own head thinking about the shooting that takes place in season six. Mm. And I was like, wait, but how does Burke, like Burke wasn't in season six spoilers. So I was like, what? And then I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I think his hands and like shoulder and shit gets fucked up. this Yeah. <laughs> so that's when I remembered, because I was trying to fit him into season six. And I was like, this is, Not correct. She wasn't there.
2: (laughs) Which I remember again, spoilers. We've been doing spoilers this entire episode, but I remembered that it is a major the like story arc that his hand gets messed up and Christina's lying for him, blah blah blah. But I didn't remember how it happened. And so Yeah. yeah, that reveal for me was Oh, it's good. So extra.
0: And it's even better because you have Izzy saying in the background to Denny. As she cuts his LVAD wire, it's gonna be okay. Burke Burke will be be right here here. soon. Burke will be here soon.
2: Uh, Stab me twice in the heart,
0: Elliot Smith style. It is so
2: good. Let's just talk about how Uh, unhinged Izzy is in this episode. How she literally (laughs) has lost her fucking. Mine. can
0: i tell you that last night i watched this with my chosen family actually i was i decided to recap the episode and everyone just kind of decided to join me in this like living room despite the fact that two of my roommates do not watch Grey's anatomy like maybe have never seen Grey's anatomy and so like one of them was like this is what you do your show on and i was like shut the fuck up i'll kill you <laughs> um they the scene where izzy loses her mind being like what
1: about me? <laughs> I want you to like what clip that recording do? and I want that to be my ringtone from here on out. <laughs> Just so you know, that's like a personal request I have by my birthday of this next year. I'm on it. I'll make a loop.
0: <laughs> but they were watching that episode with like mouths a gape because in seeing it so it was kind of like i was watching it through their eyes so through their eyes i could see what a fucking lunatic isabel stevens is in that scene but i could also watch through the eyes of myself when i was like 20 and how deeply emotionally affected
2: i was oh my God. by that same
0: scene and i was like this is a fucking trip like-
2: so so i feel like we need to set this up because how izzy gets to this point <laughs> so at the beginning denny signs dnr paperwork which i feel like is maybe the only reason why she got to this space yes because he's like i'm signing this dnr you know i believe in heaven Not that he's fucking going, but he thinks he is. And, you know, I'm cool. I'd rather be there. Yeah. I'm cool with it. You know, he's already said he's a virile horse of a man and he's tired of being in this bed. So he's ready to romp all over heaven. (laughs) He's ready to brody it up in heaven. Um, And so I think I think that that's like the main reason why she gets to this place, because you know, I can't think of any other reason. Um, I mean, it's clear that she's unhinged. They've been planting <laughs> the seeds for a while that Izzy just doesn't fucking have any rational <laughs> brains left. Yeah. Um, And so he signs the DNR paperwork. She's pretty distraught about that news comes about the heart that there is a donor for uh denny and burke's gonna go get it izzy's all pumped she's so happy denny's all pumped he's so happy you know (laughs) put in the clip where he's like i
1: don't mean to be dramatic and all but i'm gonna need you to repeat that and you say it slow because this is one of those moments in life that i'm gonna want to remember in detail
2: And, of course, it's not going to fucking happen because they're so happy about it. No one can be happy on this show.
0: Yeah. And Um, as I pointed out, we just had the episode entitled Superstition. Does this bitch not believe in jinxes all of a sudden? (laughs) Just out of fucking nowhere, she's totally fine with jinxes.
2: She brought this on herself and on Denny. God. So, I mean, what we come to find out, obviously, is that Burke and Alex, who Alex doesn't fucking deserve to be there anyway, go to the hospital to retrieve the donor heart where we meet fucking Erica Hahn. Oh
0: my God. Oh my fucking God. Erica, Erica Han safe space.
2: We all love her. It's I fine. I love her so much and I cannot fucking wait for that scene. Spoilers: Where she's describing the leaves on yes. the
0: trees. Yep, she sees leaves on the oh, trees for the first time.
2: I, I, I think I had a revelation during that episode, and yep. I fucking can't wait for it. <laughs> anyway, Erica Hahn. I love her face. I love it. She's got distinct features. I find her incredibly attractive. It's kind of weird. Mm. That is weird. I disagree on that. Shut up.
1: Yeah. I love her. But so, I really fine. respect where you are coming from on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. Brooke Smith, hit me up. Slide into my DMs. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they get there. There's two donors. They've been in a car crash. Both are brain dead. Erica Hahn's supposed to get one of the hearts. Burke's supposed to get one of the hearts. Burke's dude fucking
0: what happens he just dies I yeah don't know. he goes into like cardiac arrest yeah something and happens then he dies. Yeah, the he heart muscle's died. no good He
2: just straight up dead died. and they try to get it back but they just can't and it's then it's of course jinx. <laughs> of course burke's not just gonna let it go he's gonna fight for that fucking other heart yep yep he sure is yeah because of his
0: personal rivalry with erica Hahn, who graduated second in their class at tulane he graduated first He's so petty.
1: What a petty bitch this I man know. is. But, but here's what I love about Han is that she is, her ego rivals Burke, right? Oh, like yeah. I think that right out of the gate that I kind of like, like, Burke is awful, right? And, like, we have recognized that my feelings on Isaiah Washington are eclipsing my feelings on <laughs> Preston Burke. And Fuck I, him. <laughs> I'm, I'm fully actualized there. But yeah, yeah. I do really appreciate to me that Han, right out of the gate, is not only a straight shooter, but her her ego really does rival Burke, right? Like she is like, she is like, you know, totally ready to have the conversation of like, yeah, I was number two, but I'm getting this heart, and like, I believe that her reasons are just as petty as Burke's in a lot of ways, yes. right? Yes. And like, she's right, right? Absolutely. Like her her patient is higher up on the list. He was in the registry sooner. She deserves that heart by but how she many is seconds, still, guys? Seventeen seconds. Yeah,
2: Seventeen right.
1: seconds, and like. And, like, I think that she... But I really like that she sort of challenges him in in a world where men go completely unchecked. I appreciate that there's a woman who's, like, not, like, traditionally attractive in the same way that Christina or Meredith or Izzy is. And she's like, no, like, fuck you. I'm an academic. I'm a doctor. I'm just as good, if not better, than you. And I'm going to prove it at every turn. And I think that that is, like... It's like a balm to my feeling about, like the masculine identity in this episode or like a solve for that. And I, and I, and I really like that about her character. And I think that that's true in the entire sort of experience that we have with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I like,
1: she's great. It's a strong
0: first showing for her. Um, And it sets up a really interesting duel over this, over the heart situation, right? They call up Yunos to determine You know, who was put into the register first. And as we just said, um, Han's patient was in the UNOS register 17 seconds before Denny was. Yeah. And when that information is relayed by Alex to Izzy.
2: Who's over in fucking cuckoo land.
0: (laughs) Izzy starts lying about. Through her
2: fucking teeth. The
0: first time she says he's getting worse, I just. I think my whole baddie sagged when she said, Denny's getting sicker. I just was mm. like, Please that... what if there was a way that this story doesn't go this way this time?
1: <laughs> oh man. I like to me that exact moment is what I was referring to earlier in this episode. That to me, that is when the roller coaster goes over the <sighs> the, the top, the summit, right? Yeah. Like that's the the reason that I think that is partially because it's the first lie she tells and a long string of lies yep. and misbehavior. But there is <sighs> this 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 musical moment that happens there where she's on the phone and everything's sort of hunky-dory and she's like, I just want an update on the heart. And then she says, Denny's getting sicker. And the music goes, dun-dun. And it just yeah. like, it, it has like a full turn around the corner of like, Like, it snaps into a different world where you're like, oh, now we're in the upside down where it's okay for doctors to lie and cut (laughs) out bad wires and steal hearts. And suddenly your roller coaster is, is going down the top in a way that that it was not before and you were like oh is this ever really going to take a turn and to me that is the exact moment and there's that excellent grace Mm -hmm. anatomy musical cue to remind us that like yes and we are going to ride this roller coaster all the way down to the bottom (laughs) and and it's like it's so exciting like it's such an exciting moment when she tells that lie because you see the entire path in front of you and I just, like, you really- I hear that you want it to be different, but I get, like, so excited that it's just not going to be. Like, it's just, like, it's just going to be a fucking shit show. And I am, like, getting my popcorn out for it. Like, I just <laughs>
2: Megan's in the comments I know, with the popcorn. Yes. I just but wanted-
1: I think it's, like, just... I
0: think it's just what you said, though, is that you can see it all spread out in front of you. Like, you know, the moment she says Denny's getting sicker, it's like you just, there's no, it's a lie so big. You can't turn back. And so bad that there's no way out of the lie. And it just, it makes me fucking anxious every time, you know? Like, I'm a person who is not opposed to lying. I have, like, it's, it's, I get it. And lies are important and they're necessary sometimes. And sometimes they're just a good time. But to watch someone tell a lie that they cannot in any world get out of is, like, one of the most anxiety-inducing things imaginable for me. I'm like, this is it. That's it.
2: Yeah, the entire time that I was... One, I don't agree with the lying part, Teresa, and now I question our friendship. I say as a person who hates
0: being lied to.
2: (laughs) But the whole time that I was watching this, one, it made me extremely anxious. And I was like, you're going to get caught at any minute. And I was like, someone please catch her at any minute. (laughs) And I was like, literally, there were so many opportunities for someone to stop her from going through with her plan. Alex. In this moment where he's in the room and he's like, I'm not going to lie for you, could have been like, Izzy's on the phone being a crazy bitch. She's doing something terrible. Or in the time when Burke was talking to her and he's like, what are you talking about? He knew. He knew that she was fucking lying. That's why he was like, I need to go check it out in person. He knew. So many times people could have stopped her from doing this stupid thing, especially Fucking George, cause we'll get to him. Literally, anyone could have stopped him. Christina and Meredith could have stopped her when they looked at her face and saw how unhinged she looked. When they were like, "He'll get a different heart," and her crazy eyes turned into <laughs> spinning spirals of insaneness. They could have stopped her then to say, "Like, mm, Izzy's looking mighty crazy today. Maybe As she we take a with crash her. cart
1: out of like the supply closet there and then just rolls away." Yeah. <laughs> well, and even George, like that, I actually think it's kind of like a, I, I don't know, like I, I would go so far as to say I had a moment of empathy with, for George when, when she, when Izzy brings George into the room. So Izzy has made the choice that she's going to cut the wire because she needs to demonstrate to Burke and Yunos that That Denny is more deserving of a heart than anyone else. That it's an emergency situation that he is getting sicker. And she Mm -hmm. has clearly, like, her eyes go dark. Like, they go from crazy to, like, dark. (laughs) Of, like, she has committed to the lie and she's taken George down with her. (laughs) You know? And And it's important to note, just as, like, a quick clarification,
0: that she needs test results demonstrating what she has said on the phone, that Denny's vitals are dropping and such and such levels are dropping. The only way to achieve that test result is to actually cut his LVAD. And make him sick. And make him sick, right? And then manually be pumping his heart. Which she says
2: all of this to Denny. And somehow he agrees to this plan. Okay. After... Okay. her insane display of love question mark <laughs> okay. at, what
0: insane. i feel like i want to bail a couple of people out but first megan i want you to return to this moment of empathy that you
1: were describing oh, yes. yeah well i think that yeah and and there's a lot to unpack here but something that i'm sort of thinking about <laughs> is so she brings george in to actually cut the alvan wire like which i gotta say like if you're going to commit to a lie, you got to do that in a silo. Like, do not bring other assholes down with you, particularly your very closest friends. But George has a, um, a calm about him where he recognizes that Izzy is over the roller coaster. Like, Izzy is off the deep end. Like, she has jumped, she has leapt, she has committed to a lie on a deeply personal and professional level. And George immediately realizes it and is like, He's, like, trying not to, like, poke the bear. Like, he's trying to, like, reason with Izzy. He's trying to say to her, like, Izzy, what are you doing? Izzy, what's going on in here, right? And he's really trying to diffuse the bomb that has really kind of already gone off. And I have empathy for George in that moment of, like, what would you do if a friend had had turned into this person who you don't know and you don't recognize and is doing something so insane and where I lose my empathy is that like, if that were either of you, I would stop you. Like I would, I would body block wow. you. Like something would happen that would not allow, mm-hmm. like, you know, I would take action to keep that from happening or at least I would like to think that. But I think George's, um, his calm demeanor in that moment is like deeply sobering. Right? Like, it doesn't quite create, like, empathy for Izzy, but it does create this, like, sobering atmosphere of, like, what would you do if your friend was making this, like, act of love in a way that you didn't entirely know how to stop? And I think that, I think it's, like, really Mm -hmm. well acted, right? Like, I think T.R. Knight actually does a really nice job of it. And I think Izzy's insanity and Denny's like, well, okay. Like, I think that it's kind of, like, it's, like, a really, like interesting cross-section of different like reactive personalities that I, I actually really enjoy how, how, um, TR Knight acts that, that particular scene. I don't know if that resonates with you guys, but, but I think, for me, I really, yeah, it,
0: it's it super, it super does. And you know, I said, I wanted to bail out a couple of people and part of it is like, I don't want to be too on the nose, but we're talking about the fight or flight response, right? Like we mm. are clearly supposed to be drawing a connection between George's response and Neil, who hides behind Deborah, right? That George's response in that moment is to freeze. He freezes and he doesn't know what to do. And I can't really fault him for that because he doesn't want to kind of startle Izzy. He's not entirely sure what she's going to do, right? But he also doesn't want to be implicated. So he freezes. That's her fight or flight. That's his fight or flight response, right? And I feel like it's important to note that Izzy does not tell him what she's going to do until right the fuck before she does it, specifically because she wants him to have plausible deniability. She needs him. She calls him into the room because she wants someone there in case or when Denny flatlines, right? She wants another person in the room with her. She feels like George is the person she can trust the most. But she also doesn't want George to be held accountable for what she does. Mm. So she doesn't tell right. him what the fuck she's going to do until right before she cuts the Elvad wire. So in terms of what George himself could have done, yeah. not a whole lot. Truly. I agree yeah. that other people could have taken steps. Bailey could have not put her on that case. Um, Burke could have, like, immediately demanded to speak to the chief to say, I think something is happening on the Denny case, right? Alex could have communicated to Burke that he thought something was wrong with the situation at Seattle Grace, right? I would hold those three people way more accountable than George at like the final hour who like learns what she's going to do as she has the fucking scissors and is about to do it. Not a lot of options for O'Malley in that sense, you know? And I really do think we're meant to – I think you're exactly right. You are meant to imagine what if a person you loved, a member of your family or your chosen family, decides to act in a way so utterly out of character that they are a danger to Mm themselves or to others. What do you do in the exact critical moment, you know? George's response was to freeze and, like, as a freezer – That feels real to me. That feels real to
2: me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then the second person I want to bail out is Denny. Because as you said.
2: (laughs) He's afraid.
0: Yeah. That's what you said. Patrice said. I think Patrice said in her notes. Like Denny agrees to this shit. Because he's terrified of this crazy woman. And I think that's so true.
2: For once. Like I feel for Denny. Yeah, but only just a little bit. Only a tiny bit. I feel bit. like he just had, he had some opportunities. Uh, I just feel like Denny had a moment there where he could have said, please get out of my room, you crazy bitch, and <laughs> press the the call button for the nurse because he realizes that she's being irrational and like, you know, earlier when he set his boundaries about the DNR and he was like, this is something I'm not willing to concede. He could have been like, wow, I understand that you really love me, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not here for this craziness, you know, like, uh, but hey, so, (laughs) so yeah, about that is Dr. I honestly, I, 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 I
1: completely agree. And I think this is actually, interestingly enough because all we've been doing for the last five episodes has been hating on Denny, that, like, I actually think this is an episode where we garner more sympathy for Denny than we have yet. You know, like, he has these moments of, like, like you said, drawing a strict boundary with the DNR. Even his moment of, like, oh, you found a heart, right? Like, there's these moments where we see, like this is a sick man <laughs> who, like, is, is, like, I don't know, who, like, we actually have, like, room in our hearts for in a way that, like, we haven't really in past episodes, which I think is interesting because this is not, like, this is the point where most people have already, like, really, really attached their wagon to the Denny horse of, like, this is a great character, you know what I mean? Like, people who really Denny love the hand, horse this man. horse of a man, exactly. <laughs> um, not lost on the me. The horse girls um, have really hitched Right. <laughs> they have they totally have and um i think it's funny that for three people who have um not appreciated denny and really poked a lot of holes in his like you know asinine character in a lot of ways that like this is a funny time for us to like garner that those like feelings of of, of (laughs) sympathy for him when he is like literally on his deathbed anyway yeah i think think demonstrates
0: the level of utter fucking derangement of Izzy Stevens that we're like whoa hey (laughs) well
2: I also think that this is maybe the first time that we see Jeffrey Dean Morgan doing a good job at acting yeah in this part like he gives off the feeling of being afraid of Izzy and like being emotional about that really well like his eyes are welling up he looks sad and scared and And he also looks kind of deranged a little bit. Yeah. So I feel like this is the this is the first time in a while that we've seen him do a really good job at acting this role. And then also Catherine Hagel is apparently acting well in this role. It's a bit much for me. (laughs) Yeah. Says that. Yeah, I think which I think we should totally talk about because I'm I'm very open
0: to different interpretations of her.
2: You said that she acts her ass off. I think and. Maybe it's just, it feels a little too over the top to me, but I yeah. know that she is supposed to just be manic and just deranged and so lost in grief that Denny might not get a heart. But it, yeah, it's it's so much.
1: Yeah. It's a lot. I So I personally think of Teresa as my personal check on whether or not something is good acting because I'm like, really bad at identifying good acting versus bad acting like in an early episode of the podcast Teresa had to explain to me the difference between good child actors and bad child actors and it's like really transformed the way that i look at child actors and and
2: and it's it's like i'd love to hear about that difference sometime soon
1: oh yeah oh it's fascinating i won't get into it now because it'll just send me down on a tangent but i think that sometimes that like overly emotional like as somebody who's not all that critical of actors With a, you know, very close friend who studied (laughs) media studies and, like, who who thinks about this in, like, a really real and critical way, I will now shut up so that she can talk about it because I sometimes have a hard time, like, I often conflate drama with good acting. And I had this moment where I was, I haven't watched this episode in some time and watching Izzy's, like, over the top, like, what about me? What
2: about me? What about me when you go to the light? Is No, I is, get it, okay? I get it. You'll be okay. You'll be fine. But what about me? So don't do it for yourself. Do it for me, please. Leave, Denny. Please do this for me. Because if you die, oh, God, you have to do this. You have to do this for me or I'll never be able to forgive you. For dying. No, for making me love you.
1: Is this genuine? Is this good, Katherine Heigl acting? Like, is this a real, like, crowning jewel of her acting career so far in these, you know, thirty some, thirty mm-hmm. some odd episodes of the show, or is this her being over the top? And I couldn't identify because because I like it, right? Like whatever it is, I like it. And I'm like, even if it's <laughs> shitty acting, like I'm still like oh, You're I'm here and for into it. the drama. <laughs> so I had to ask the yeah. question of Teresa as I watched this episode of whether or not this is good acting or if I'm just being wooed by the drama. <laughs>
0: which which I really love. I really I really love the sort of deference here because I just I just want to clarify that like I have only taken an acting, an acting class in Ooh, high school. No, one. And in in my in my graduate work, right, like I studied media, right, but I, I never really stu- – I didn't really do performance studies. Like I don't pay that much attention to performance. I'm paying attention to like framing and editing and shit like that. But I will say I think intent matters with this performance. So watching this in 2019 as a grown woman, I see a person – who is so convincing in her derangement. Mm -hmm. Like, her performance feels real to me. I genuinely feel that I'm watching someone lose their goddamn mind in real time. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say that I am not sure, and we are so far removed from this episode at this point, 13 years later, that I can't quite remember what the intent of this performance was supposed to be right so was this monologue meant to like communicate derangement or was it meant to be more of like one of you know Ellen Pompeo's kind of monologues Mm. so so that's kind of my big issue is like I feel like in 2006 if this if this performance was meant to just communicate like Someone in love and, like, fighting for love, then, yeah, over the top. Like, way, way overacting this scene. But in terms of just, like, embodying a fucking nut job, (laughs) totally realistic.
2: She nailed it. Nailed it.
0: Give her all the awards. Yeah, I think (laughs) they were
2: going for love. And what we're seeing is, like, manipulation. Oh, yeah. uh, Craziness. (laughs) uh not love love is the last thing on my mind yeah yeah that's really true
0: and it's so funny because i definitely watching this when i was younger felt that this was a love story oh yeah for sure yes that's so interesting to think about
2: that's so fucked up and now we know about emotional manipulation oh my
0: god we get warped so early and in so many ways as women just like shit The entire crux of Izzy's batshit plan is that it's going to be okay because Burke is going to come and operate. He's going to come with the heart. He's going to operate on Denny. He's going to save the day. And there is nothing more narratively satisfying than when the shooter comes back to the hospital, you hear the gunshots, Bailey goes running out into the alley where the ambulances come in. She sees the manager dead. I think the shooter then killed himself. Mm
2: -hmm. And then
0: she sees Burke sprawled out on the ground in his own blood. Mm
2: -hmm. This is interspliced with Izzy's snip of the LVAD.
1: Don't worry, Burke will be here soon. uh, Mm -hmm. It just makes me so excited Mm -hmm. for the next two weeks, you guys, I gotta say. Oh, yeah. I know. It's I just So like, that was oh. my exact thought when I finished it. I was like, yes. Here, we there's more to come. <laughs> and I have I to say, I love a cliffhanger. Yep. Yeah. I know. And we, we just don't really get do... them anymore with streaming. We don't. We I love don't. Snow Patrol. <laughs> We just don't get enough of those guys anymore. <laughs> we don't. That is true. There's not enough Snow Patrol anymore. I was like, oh, um, I got to go
0: back to that album. That's right. Final Straw was a bop. That was a great
1: album. <laughs> a bop. <bomb. laughs> yeah, that was. That was a fantastic album. Um, I got to say, though, I do love a cliffhanger, and I, and I want to get into the Eminem, Um. Mm-hmm. because i'm sure we have over recorded but i <laughs> i i think that and this is a spoiler alert that like we know like denny is going to die right like denny dies and it's like we're going to get into like how and why and like ultimately it's kind of like interesting that he dies in the way that he does but i have to say that going into like this going over the um the the, the top of the roller coaster as it were because apparently i'm just going to keep using that metaphor Um, It's, like, deeply satisfying (laughs) to my brain that I know he's going to die. Like, you know, like, I think that I what I do remember about watching this in real time is this, like, deep uncertainty about whether or not he was going to die. And I don't think that we, like, really live that so much anymore, right? Shows aren't as into cliffhangers as you guys were just saying. Um but it's like knowing that he's gonna die makes me like it really the, the anxiety that you guys were talking about before of like is he lying and is he really sort of committing to this lie in a totally destructive way? Um, knowing in my gut that that Denny's gonna die is like really it makes it like opens up all of this space in my mind for like enjoying the ride (laughs) Uh, and I feel (laughs) like and that's like really awful but like I really do feel that way of like I can enjoy all the moments and all the lies and the drama around it without really worrying about whether this character is going to make it or not um and it obviously Mm -hmm. really helps that it's a character that I don't really love um but I vividly remember, and and I really liked Denny as a young person. 13 years ago, I really did like him. And so I felt very differently about it. Um, but I think that, like, it makes me so excited for these next episodes because I know I'm going to be able to fully enjoy them because I'm not worried about whether he's going to make it or not, you know? And, like, yeah. I think that that's a fun, that's, like, one of the reasons that I really enjoy this podcast and, like, talking about these episodes is because it gives value to the rewatch Right, because you can yeah. you can notice all the other things when you're not worried about whether or not your favorite characters are going to live or die, um, and I and I really like that, and I feel like really excited about the end of the season because of it.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. But we do we do want to get to the M and M's. Yeah, our morbidity and mortality. There might be an M M&M. and in one of the final episodes of this yeah. season <laughs> to discuss everything that oh, went wrong here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, let's start with our teardrop ranking. Um, yeah. Which for me was a zero out of five, but a cautious zero out of five. Dry because I know tears are to come. Also, I think I probably cried the first time I watched it. Mm. If, I, if I had to take a guess, I probably got emotional.
2: During what part?
1: Um...
2: <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Guess we know how I feel. Wow. You
0: know, honestly, like, probably just during, like, the Snow Patrol, like, reaching a it climax.
2: It was just the music. I also
0: reached climax. You know what I mean? Like, I love <laughs> Snow Patrol. Just like...
2: Yeah. Anyway, it's a little I about know. me. I don't
1: I know. I gave it one teardrop. Um, I felt a deep sadness for Addison in this episode. <laughs> Um, and sort of, I think this is sort of the moment when she realizes that her marriage could potentially actually be over. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that her monologue or not, well, the monologue that she has with Derek, but like her thing about sleeping with Mark really stuck with me, right? Of like, she does all of these horrible things to get Derek's attention and he doesn't care. And then she comes Mm -hmm. here and like sees why he doesn't care. And I feel, I don't know, like Addison's character really stuck with me in this episode. And I felt like. Even though it's not, like, a stereotypical sadness, I felt a lot of sadness for, like, the demise of, of her and her relationship in this episode. So I gave it one. Also yeah, a little bit for yeah. Doc the dog, who's going to die. Um, I feel sad Duck. about that. Yeah. uh Poor yeah doc.
0: and wow speaking of line of the weeks anyway okay yeah about you,
2: <laughs> i've got one for us but <laughs> uh i give it one to three tiers depending on how i'm feeling about each of these people but for finn doc and addison who are all suffering because of meredith and Derek, yeah and their shittiness
0: yeah dogs don't deserve this humans sure but no. leave the dog out of this <laughs> All right, um, the on call room, did we have any not a zero, zero for nothing. me? Nope. No. No, no. Again. The snow patrol playing when Meredith and Derek are in the elevator. Again, I know. It was, like, hot I know. For me. There was like a lot of hot, was that even a hot hot tension. But here's the there thing
1: was just about tension. it. We haven't had an on call room in so many weeks. That I'm like yeah. I'm grasping at anything. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, like right. a moment of Derek and Meredith alone in an elevator is enough for me to be like, "Ooh, what's that about?" Just in like hateful silence, like, "Ooh,
2: ooh, All who doesn't right. love yeah. hate uh, sex?" Oh,
0: oh with a little Snow Patrol, <laughs> which brings us to the song of the, the song week. week. It's Snow guess, Patrol. I'll fight. <laughs>
2: I could do most anything something you. happened that I never understood. I could do most anything.
1: You can't you. leave. You can't I leave I could do most anything to you. Man, I gotta say though, it's Gold no. Lion no. by the Yeah yeah no. yeah, as is the it other isn't. song. Mm-mm. Like Karen O'Le no. be the mediator. <laughs>
2: Mm-mm.
1: I, I just hear. think that I, I never, I would never, listeners, it's a no. I gotta say, people <laughs> who have been with us all of these, all of these episodes, I never thought that Teresa would pick a. <laughs> I and I love Snow Patrol. That is a bop, yeah. as you said, but Teresa's <laughs> choosing Snow Patrol over Karen Fucking O. It's because Gold so Lion, like, while a
0: great song, is not used at any. point. Critical junction in the episode. I know it's not the bar scene in the episode where Snow Patrol I know. is like, three storylines are converging on one." I'm just like,
1: I know, I want it. It's so good. But Patrice, yeah. please mediate with your excellent point that you had in your notes about these two songs. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So there are only two songs in this entire episode. Just yep. two. Gold Lion. And the Snow Patrol song that I can't remember the name of now. Mm -hmm. Just two. Because they knew that's all that they needed. Both are bops, as we have said. (laughs) We're not the right age to be using the word bop. Let me say that. Um, (laughs) They're both just, like, really fucking excellent songs. And I get your point, Teresa, that, like, Gold Lion is not used at an emotionally pivotal time. But it's just, like... It is such a good song yeah. and takes me back to 2006. And I also mm-hmm. love Snow Patrol. And I'm just like, I don't have to choose between the two of them because both make me feel good.
0: It just reminds me every single time. It's like, why not both? And it reminds me that, like, that it, it's a GIF. Never mind.
2: Anyway. Why not both? Why I think I've said both? that many times <laughs> during this actual podcast.
0: But yes, Snow Patrol, and yeah, yeah, yeahs. We're here. We're here for both. What about our death tally of this week? I'm
2: talking about the tribal death.
0: I counted two are dead initially in the shooting. We have Who ultimately are? three. Well, un- they just unnamed. Un- unnamed Fourteen oh, injured, two I didn't dead. Know about them. Three people are brain dead by the end of this episode, so that's five. The manager dies, so that's six. The shooter dies, so that's seven. And maybe Burke.
2: We don't know yet, except that Who's we do because we've already done all the spoilers. Yeah. So, seven yeah, I lost people track for after sure,
0: three, eight, possibly. So seven for Yes. It's a big haul.
2: I was never counting to it's begin with. It's a big haul.
0: Saddest death? Mm.
2: <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. Is it the future
0: death of Doc?
2: it's Aww. gonna be sad yeah that's the sad. will it actually be me. sad though cause are we any of us really that emotionally invested in Doc the dog who they brought on solely as like a plot device for Meredith and Derek's relationship yeah that's true
1: oh I Megan feel was. sad about oh, okay. I feel ding, sad ding, about ding.
2: Doc okay okay <laughs> I uh, retract my statement that's okay you can feel that
1: way I feel sad about the dog who is only as Teresa said no dog deserves this metaphor <laughs>
0: Um, I, 007. I, I
2: mean, it's, what? It's, should we say it in unison? I mean, like, <laughs> right? Izzy. Three, Isabel Stevens. Two, one, Izzy. Izzy. <laughs> like... It's Izzy. Well, is anyone surprised that it's Izzy? No.
1: Mm-mm. no. Wow. We,
2: uh, yeah, just did all sorts of things wrong medically. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. That oath she takes, huh? Yeah. Do no harm, et cetera, et cetera. She's not great yep. at that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about Karev of the week?
1: Um, I gave it to Burke. Um, I thought mm-hmm. that he mm-hmm. was a, a an asshole. From I'm like still not over his um treating Christina badly because she fell asleep during sex one time for t- <laughs> and like I I don't know for me it was like a who's who's kind of the biggest <laughs> asshole. Is how I think of this award, and I think that Burke was making professional decisions based on his personal incapacity to be a grown up in a adult sexual relationship.
2: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yep. What about you guys?
2: Uh, I put everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone was an asshole. Basically, yeah. I don't think anyone was not an asshole. Hmm just like people were glib about shootings yep. uh, Burke was an asshole Derek was an asshole the only person who wasn't an asshole was Addison
0: my rev of the week you know not to get all high and mighty here but I felt the ultimate asshole of the week was the shooter who went right. to his <laughs> place of work God <laughs> and damn it, shot a bunch of people God damn it. far be it from me <laughs> to cast oh, judgment right. on your choices but <laughs> uh and then i and then i i went with um izzy or derek who are both really cruel to the people they supposedly love and are emotionally manipulating them in ways that have like very serious consequences different consequences but very real consequences
2: yeah yeah
0: chief yeah. resident was anyone a good
1: doctor this episode other than Catherine
2: hahn not a single damn yeah. one.
1: I was like really uh, I was really struggling with this. I couldn't I, I could not come up with a chief resident. I don't feel like anybody really excelled as a doctor.
2: So yeah. you know who was a good doctor? Callie Torres. Calliope Torres. Oh my
0: god. She took care of her patient
2: and she was kind to another doctor.
0: Yeah, who was a brat. Yeah. yeah. Slightly racist. Yeah, you're right. I vote for Callie. You're right, yeah.
1: Callie's All right. Retroactively pick. I vote Callie. You've
2: convinced so line me. of the week. Thanks. <laughs> this is my main aim.
1: Line of the week. Um, I didn't, I, I, I really like a random line when Christina goes off on her patience and Deborah just says to her, you're very, very bitter. And I like <laughs> partially don't want to give it to her because Christina's like actually being really reasonable in her frustrations with Burke. But I just think it's so out of character for Christina to, like, go unchecked and, like, to totally go off on, on, on these patients as she does. And I just think it's kind of fun to have Christina be called out because it happens so rarely for her character because she's so good at her job. Um, so I really appreciated, like, this completely innocuous, irrelevant character calling Christina out on her bitterness, which is justified. Um but it just happens really rarely. It feels like it feels like the the know-it-all in class getting um getting told she's wrong and I like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh
2: I didn't really have a line although I did appreciate and like uh Bailey's go off on Brad when the the meat kid was like god, I'm so tired of listening to him talk because he'd been talking incessantly and Bailey just goes in on him and he's like, Fish. she's like, there are people who have bullets in their bodies because of you. So shut the fuck up.
0: I agree. Bailey's monologue was a good one. Um, My line of the week. I'm sorry. I laughed like way too much at this. But Meredith, after she talks to Callie Torres about bone cancer in dogs and humans she goes back to the vet's office and she's like you're downplaying how sick uh doc is and McVet is like yeah yeah yeah." (laughs) because you're hot you know and so meredith's like tell me the truth like just tell me tell me what's happening and he says best case scenario i would say doc has maybe a year left okay and doc is not the best case scenario and it's like, for me, it felt like the longest ellipsis of all time before Chris <laughs> O'Donnell says, and Doc is not best case <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I just, I was like, buddy, you needed to get to that. So You should have started with that. No. I don't know why yeah. you gave her hope that Doc might have a year when you immediately followed up with, but I know
2: Doc. Doesn't have a year. <laughs> it's because Doc is a metaphor for Meredith and Derek's relationship, which think... is then why Meredith says, "I really love him," yeah. and she's not fucking talking about she's, the Doc. She's not talking about Doc. She's talking she's about not. a
0: Doc, but not Doc the a dog. Do- a Doc. A Doc. A
2: Doc. named Derek. Yeah. Yeah. spin Spin-off yeah. show. A Doc named Derek. <laughs> right.
0: I would it's watch Grey's Anatomy for children. <laughs> Well, we we've gone way, way over time. I did kind of have a medical fact of the week, but we can talk about it next week. Um, Sort of related to uh, shootings in the United States and uh, sort of uh, physician responses to um, the mass shooting situation in the States um again we're at like an hour and 40 minutes right now so i think we'll go ahead and bookmark that one yeah
2: and it'll give me a chance to read what you actually put in there and then have a concrete conversation about it totally
0: love it um but that's our episode things are just gonna keep ramping up um god i cannot wait to go to these next two like go through these next two episodes they're gonna be
2: i'm very excited
0: Thanks so much for listening. Join us next week as we tap tackle season two, episode twenty six, the second, the penultimate episode of season two. We're so excited. Um, we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Podbean, our wonderful host, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on social media. Uh, on Twitter at code underscore grays underscore Uh, we have a now defunct tumblr I'm pretty sure but we do have a Facebook page until I decide that we cannot ethically have a Facebook page anymore (laughs) (laughs) And you can also always reach out to us by email. We would love to hear from you. Our Gmail is codegrays at gmail.com. But uh, please listen, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a nice review.
2: Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.